We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa a Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by realitysportsonline.com. You can check that out with promo code WirePod. Be sure to do that. Uh, Derek Van Riper here with Mario Puig. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and could leave us a nice review, we would greatly appreciate it. Take a few minutes to do that. Thanks to those of you who've already done that. All right, Mario, we're basically through one week of camp for every team now since most of them started by last weekend. 
Uh, we're going to run through some top news items. If there's some time after we recap the news, who knows where this is going to go. Uh, but it's another day off for Ezekiel Elliott on Thursday. He's got that hamstring injury. Did a little work on the side, but just wasn't a full participant, I guess, which to me just doesn't matter. We talked to Jeff Stotts on the XM show this morning, and there's just no reason to be concerned unless this turns into something that lingers on through the middle of August. Right, yeah. At the moment, there's at, at most, this is just information that you can follow up on. There's nothing else to do in the meantime. If you if you actually act on this, change your plans based on this, it, it probably won't be for the better. Um, so yeah, best to just hold, hold steady, watch where it goes, and that's about all there is to do. But the weird thing with the, the Elliot people out there is that there are some that just want to fade him because the ADP is so high. I mean, he's a first round pick in many leagues. And as a result, there's this, this idea that he's going to flop. And then when that becomes an idea, people start to come up with their hot takes. Like one of the hot take responses we got during the radio show today was Derek Henry will outscore Ezekiel Elliott. And the only way that happens is something you pointed out during one of the breaks it's if it's if Elliot's hurt. If Elliot right. misses That's significant the time, in that case the That's prediction it. is not that like anything in particular with Henry happens. It's that Elliot plays five games and no more. Right. Like that's the only way that happens. And um, I mean that's you can predict anything, sure. Um, but I don't think we have any. We have no information to to actually believe that it'll happen. It's just a random guess. So uh, yeah, doubting Ezekiel Elliot. I I don't know what grounds there is uh, at this point. Like if if the original argument was but he's a rookie though and uh that just i mean the more people examined it i think the less anyone believed it and that adp went up from i don't know what was it like late first and now it's like he probably gotta you probably gotta get him like top eight most of the time now i would imagine um, i see that the nffc adp still has him at 11.96 but i would imagine it's more like five to eight in the past month or so uh but yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I don't think there's any real reason you can you can fade him uh, on the basis of like skill set or past production or, or just surrounding circumstances. I think it all says this will be an elite fantasy player from day one. And for those out there maybe wondering, you know, hey, what happened to those domestic violence allegations that came uh, from an ex girlfriend recently? It's two weeks ago today. I think those first surfaced. Yeah. Uh, earlier this week, this is the last thing I think I've been able to find that was written or posted about it. It's an article just in, in USA Today. Uh, he, Elliot on Tuesday was being asked about the incident. He said, quote, I'm not going to comment on anything regarding legal matters right now, but I would love to talk about football, end quote. So that's hmm. just kind of currently kind of in, in limbo as far yeah. as whether or not something really has taken place involving Elliot and his ex-girlfriend. Now, I think initially uh, his suggestion or the report that was coming out of, of Cowboys camp was that uh, this was something that he was set up on like but we, we just yeah. we don't know just yet until looks the, like the lawyer intervened and said actually don't show people those texts we'll we'll wait for court if we need to use those so, yeah exactly um, so yeah it it, it 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 makes sense that he's not commenting I, there's nothing to gain i mean like the public opinion is is not worth winning when there's court at stake perhaps so i guess they gotta wait at least to see where this goes it, it just seems like people have almost forgotten about those That's allegations though, entirely yeah. after, after like, they were a big deal when they first came up. Yeah, I mean, I did knock him down a little bit in my rankings. Like, I would have, I don't, I don't think I would take him over uh, Todd Gurley or uh, David Johnson right now. But back uh, before those allegations, I, I would have taken him first among running backs, and I guess you know third overall behind uh, Odell Beckham and Antonio Brown. So. 
that 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 matters for me. But yeah, I guess I, it doesn't matter enough for me to like put him behind like an Adrian Peterson or Lamar Miller or something. Yeah, that's very fair at this point. So we'll keep an eye on the hamstring. We'll probably talk about it every day until he's back in, at practice in a full capacity. Uh, but right now, a little bit limited to the side work as far as his uh, workout on Thursday went. Eddie Lacy has an ankle injury, which is a little bit of a concern because he did have an ankle injury early last year when he suffered a sprain, had ankle trouble again late in the year, and he's had ankle injuries even prior to last season too. Still, you got to call me in about two weeks when it comes to Eddie Lacy because unless he misses significant time and possible weight gain becomes an issue from a lot of inactivity, I think Eddie Lacy looks like a strong bounce back candidate as the 10th running back off the board right now in the NFFC. Yeah, I don't feel strongly about, um, you know, taking him in that range over anyone in particular, but I think where he's going makes a lot of sense. And it's a price I would definitely pay if I had certain other parts of my roster and, you know, spot in the draft order line up the way I need it to. But yeah, I, I, th- I think he's going to be a running back one this year, provided that, you know, this, this, this health issue doesn't linger at all and i don't i don't think there's any reason at this point to think it would cardinals receiver john brown in the concussion protocol right now and plenty of time before the season begins for him to uh, recover past the baseline tests and to get back out there certainly for a player that's been in the offense now for a couple of seasons you're not worried about missing reps with carson palmer but there's two things with brown that are kind of interesting first off i don't know if what he did last year is completely repeatable 9.9 9.9 yards per target, good number of big plays in his rookie season and in his follow-up a year ago. Uh, 22 of his catches so far out of 113 of the past two seasons have gone for 20 or more yards. Uh, over 1,000 yards, 7 TDs. Do you see John Brown taking a step back? And, and just how confusing is the Arizona receiving core in general where all three of those receivers are being taken within the first 60 or so picks in most drafts? It's not that it's not necessarily that I'm expecting a step back with him exactly because I, I can imagine it getting better. But the problem is I don't know that I can expect all three of those Arizona receivers to be anything in particular, and that that's the problem. Is it's I don't I don't think it's it's like all of them are going to bust, but I think one of them is, and I don't I, I'm just not confident guessing which one it is. So I, I kind of punt on all of them generally like i i took kevin white over uh john brown in, in an mfl 25 i did uh and granted i might i might have approached that differently if i were getting my second receiver at that pick rather than my third which is what, what i was doing so because i had two good receivers already i felt like you know aiming a little higher because I, I do think brown's ceiling is is a bit limited uh, just because of how crowded that rotation is and I, I i think more importantly the three of them combined john brown floyd and fitzgerald I feel like the three of them combined last year were the best case scenario. Like I said on the radio, I think Carson Palmer is going to regress, and I think it's a pretty—it's plausible to suspect that Palmer will get hurt this year, which didn't happen last year. So I, th- I feel like the regression is all but certain, and it's—it's it's hard to guess where or when it'll happen. When you think about the Arizona offense. One of the problems for Larry Fitzgerald for a long time is that the Cardinals didn't have a quality fallback option at quarterback so when injuries struck things were awful i mean we're talking like kevin cobb ryan lindley uh some awful awful options under center 
if something happens to Carson Palmer, Drew Stanton is the backup right now. Probably better than a couple of the names I just mentioned. Not great, but that would also be a pretty big drop from what Palmer was doing last year uh, if an injury does knock him out for a significant time. Of course, you know John Brown went to Pittsburgh State University. Pittsburgh with no H because it's the Pittsburgh in Kansas. <laughs> yeah. A couple of things about Pittsburgh State that I found interesting, just kind of in passing, because I was curious if that was a typo, if that was actually a different Pittsburgh, and that's what it is. But, okay, so this is a school. It's about 7,500 students in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Again, never heard of the city before. Mascot, Gus the Gorilla. Famous alumni include Gary Busey. Uh, that's the only one? Well, no, Brian Mormon, the punter. Oh, that's that's cool. Uh, Dennis Fast punter. Dennis Francione uh, uh, went there as well. Uh, Chuck Broyles, Kendall Gammon, H. Lee Scott Jr., and Jennifer Knapp, in addition to John Brown, who's considered one of the notable alumni of Pittsburgh State, according to Google. Yeah, I think he's close to eclipsing Gary Busey as the uh, idol of Pittsburgh State. But um, Do you think there's a Gary Busey statue on campus? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you memorialize Gary Busey. Like, do you just like get a big pile of, like, assault rifles and just like call it gary Busey hill or something like that or you give away chiclets everywhere like everywhere you go at pittsburgh state they university a, there's a bowl of chiclets available they have and they're old, all white or they have like an old army bus that's just like there in like, like uh tommy boy or whatever oh and black sheep yeah or black sheep yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe. Maybe they have Gary Busey Day on campus at Pittsburgh State. If you are a current student there or a graduate of Pittsburgh State, let us know. What, what's the, Clear this up for us. What's the way that they uh, – how do they honor Gary Busey at Pittsburgh State University? Because we are we're very curious. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Derek Van Riper. He's at NFL Draft underscore RW. Matt Jones giving a day off on Thursday, and I know we talked about him a few weeks ago on this cast, but – the agreement here is that Matt Jones is not a good player and that Matt Jones is going to lose that job. The question is, who is going to take that job and when? I won't I won't make the 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 curse so decisive as to say like he will lose it um or that he's definitely bad, but I don't think he's good enough to start in the NFL on on the basis of merit and I don't think he's cheap enough in drafts that uh that the the risk that he carries is is built in. There are other runners who are uh, you know, not any more safe than him and don't have as good of upside as him. But like I end up with them in drafts just because they go later and the, the risk they carry is factored in. I don't think Jones has that. Um, and I don't know that it, like there's an obvious person to, you know, usurp him as the starter there. And it, the thing is, it doesn't take a full, uh, you know, someone doesn't need to fully steal that job from him for his value to become basically nil relative to what it costs to uh acquire him right now like he all it takes is like a split and carries and he's toast like everybody who drafted him is just like they're just they just they just got owned basically um so yeah i i don't think it even needs to be a formidable contender i think it could be just kind of something where it's like well he's not getting it done so we're just going to try everybody else everybody's going to get a shot and he'll be reduced to something like 12 or 13 carries per game but i mean he could do well he could actually thrive in the role i'm just skeptical and he'll have to go later in a draft before i'm willing to bet on that possibility chris thompson's gonna be around as a ppr option Let's he seems to have a fixed role like they, they don't seem to be willing to consider him as like a early down guy but he's got his role that is like he won't get it taken away by anybody as like third down back and hurry up situations i guess and then the the other two names that are in the mix mac brown and keith marshall uh, as an update or a, a 
a news item on our site uh, says Marshall probably won't be a serious threat to Matt Jones's workload. This is according to ESPN's John Keem, one of the beat writers that covers the Redskins. I mean, Keith Marshall, as the, our update kind of points out, he's not the typical seventh round draft pick. There's there's actually quite a bit there in terms of uh, raw talent. And he's one of those players that I think if he can hang around on the roster, he could be that guy that gets the chance if Matt Jones collapses early in the season. Yeah, I'd, you would have to think that the NFL had its reasons for letting him fall almost out of the draft entirely. I think he was like a compensatory pick in the seventh round, which is to say like if if the draft were only seven rounds of 32 picks, he wouldn't have been drafted. Um, I don't know whether that's because of medicals or if it's just they, they just don't like he, he just isn't as good as his pedigree and his 40 time would lead you to believe and to be fair he didn't earn much playing time at georgia last year but it was again hard to tell like was, were they just like trying to protect him and let him get healthy for the draft something like that i don't know but uh him falling as far as he did in the draft does generally indicate he is not a serious threat to matt jones um but again we don't need marshall to t- just kick jones to the sideline for it to be a big problem like if he if he turns out to get like 75 carries this year that could be enough to make matt jones more of like a lower end running back three than the mid-range running back two people are paying for him yeah there just isn't a lot of room for uh, matt jones to struggle at that current price adp very high uh, much like jeremy langford i think they're in comparable situations even though they're very different backs as far as what they bring to the table skills wise uh Deion lewis still on the pup list could be on the pup list when the regular season begins too he's also got a pretty lofty adp right now yeah and it's gonna fall if he's missing time in camp it has to fall a lot though before Deion lewis becomes a member of one of my teams yeah i don't even know what the where the point is that i would get him but the the patriots have a bunch of running backs on the roster right now and all of them are kind of viable in different ways and i i don't I, I can't convince myself that there's no chance that he uh, ends up on the PUP list in week one. And if he does, that's catastrophic for anybody who owns him. Like, if you only get 10 games out of that guy, you can't possibly justify taking him in, like, the first, I don't know, seven rounds, something like that. And we've seen him go in, like, the fourth and fifth. And, I, like, at the time, I was I just assumed I, I must have been ignorant about something in, in the nature of his injury and his recovery progress or something because you, you don't do that you, like, you just you don't take guys like that um who get hurt th- that late in the season and had already like a fixed like low ceiling role people were acting like he was they were drafting him as if he was going to be like their starting running back when he really was going to have just like a like a slightly bigger uh shane vereen role or something like that so I, I i never was in on lewis just because like the price was always way too high and like the injury was always something that didn't seem to be factored into the to the adp if it falls to i don't know maybe like the ninth or tenth round maybe i'll be in on it but uh until then it's just like it's one of those things where it's like either they it becomes clear he's going to be out through the first six weeks and his adp just falls off a cliff or the ambiguity will keep his adp too high for me to be willing to take the risk yeah so either way almost it, it seems like shares of dm lewis or something you're probably not going to have a lot of and I, i'm not expecting it to happen but maybe maybe in one league the price will be low enough perhaps like a keeper league but even then it's like 
they could just get a back eventually that emerges to be their guy. Like they, yeah, no one wanted him before last year. He was like, he had been uh, like released by the Browns and like a practice squad type. And he still like, he didn't do anything fundamentally different than what James white did last year. Like white had less success as a runner, but he was more efficient as a receiver and he has better pedigree than Deion Lewis does. So people are just kind of like, I think it's just like, he must've made a few highlight plays last year and people forgot like who he is. It's the, it's the Belichick, factor like thinking about the offense and just that the patriots are seemingly infallible as far as what they put on the field being productive like that's a big part of it you would think people remember the belichick factor is not a good thing like that means you're disposable to him like Deion lewis like shane vereen uh, a few years ago had a hype level that was even a little bit more than Deion lewis had before going into this year back when aaron hernandez got arrested people were like oh shane vereen's gonna pick up a lot of that slack and he was he was like a, a fashionable like mid to high end running back two pick especially in ppr and it just turned out like actually belichick doesn't need him that much and he's he's not attached to him at all he'll he'll just use whoever he feels like and whoever you know he thinks practiced well recently or whatever so donald brown i think is going to make the team james white i think will still make the team but yeah there's there's like a there's a few guys who can do what lewis does on that team already they don't they don't need to rush him back from injury and when he does get back they might not really need him much at all anyway jonas gray nods in agreement <laughs> jonas gray where are you jonas probably buying a new alarm clock at this point oh, uh, yes titans saying uh, derrick henry has outperformed demarco murray as a pass catcher so far in camp and by that i mean a titans beat writer who works for the titans official website yeah whose job is like kind of quietly to tell everybody that derrick henry is really good well, because they just spent a second round pick on him but he actually is good I just don't know, what's the basis of a statement like this? I mean, it's kind of like the Brandon Cooks note we saw the other day that was, Brandon Cooks has cut a long TD pass almost every day in camp, and it was three days into camp. It's like, so twice? At least that's like a tangible fact, right? This is not substantiated in any form, or at least I haven't heard anybody saying, like, he's caught this many of this many targets for this many whatever yards or something, or he has this many drops on this many targets. There's nothing tangible like that. It's just this, like, this, this random person's... Uh, unsubstantiated and like not particularly specific uh just judgment call uh and i'm not going to care about that when we have all those receptions in demarco murray's uh, box score over his career uh he just had like a 70 catch season a couple of years ago or something so derrick henry might be f- better as a pass catcher than people gave him credit for but he's not going to outperform demarco murray as a pass catcher so uh the other thing to remember is like if it's a team website they want to generate clicks so it's like that's that's something more interesting than uh demarco murray was good and derrick henry was good too like <laughs> no one no one's going like oh wow that's crazy uh but this one people are like whoa either uh, like, like it, it attracts a wide range of uh, people who are interested in it right like people who are derrick henry apologists are like oh told you told you he's better at catching than you said and then there's like the people who just don't like demarco murray and want to find a reason to doubt him like oh yeah look he's not catching well it, it it has more interest than just like stuff's going well today i mean even if they just frame it in a way where it's derrick henry impressing as a pass catcher without respect to demarco murray that that to me is at least useful to know because yeah, bama is. didn't use him that way mostly because of Kenyon drake it it's something that people are wondering about as part of his skill set it appears that he has it at least in some capacity and that it's looked better that he's looked better than DeMarco Murray in that facet of the game for a, a week or less of training camp doesn't mean a whole lot as far as his chances of like wrestling away more snaps from Murray to begin the season. I mean, 
I could see both being productive because this could be a very run happy offense. Yeah. And with Marcus Mariota, quarterback, things are going to be opened up on the inside. Both these guys should be pretty strong between the tackles. Yeah. So I, I see the case for Henry as someone that you, you pick up kind of in the later rounds of your draft, at the later middle rounds, I guess it would be. And if DeMarco Murray goes down, you could see that workload significantly increase and Henry would, would become pretty interesting. He might be a, a top 15 back in the event that Murray goes down. Yeah, I mean if he if he's starting, there's no way that I'm <laughs> there's no way in any given week that you can project him for less than whatever you would like Matt Jones or probably like all the way up to like jeez, I don't know. Carlos uh, Hyde that level. I would take if Henry's starting for the Titans and Murray's just out with injury, I would take him over Hyde. Like I I think to be clear, I'm probably higher on Henry than most people are, but uh the way I see the offense working is he 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 will be like the top backup obviously probably getting like eight to ten carries per game murray getting like 16 to 20 per game and you know he's a handcuff with big upside and like a floor just high enough to make him worth as like an injury or bye week plug-in but not enough for you to like consider starting him in in a normal scenario yeah i'm trying to think of like a relative fantasy value comp from last year might be what carlos williams was doing in buffalo and not because they're similar prospects or anything like that but based on like usage and well he scored and he got eight touches and he was like five or six yards per carry in this limited role this week he was useful because of that that's kind of what i expect derrick henry to be if demarco murray remains healthy all season yeah, that makes sense have you ever wished you could be an nfl general manager well now you can thanks to reality sports online a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an nfl general manager Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, injured reserve, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com in a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the promo code WIREPOD to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. In Seattle, Thomas Rawls, Jimmy Graham, still not practicing. I mean, Rawls is a guy that, compared to the field, I think you're, you're lower on him than most, beyond the injury even. I think you have some questions about what he actually brings to the table from a skill standpoint because yeah. last year really exceeded everybody's expectations yeah he was great last year and, and you know he can't be denied what he did last year but it still feels like it was it was a pretty a pretty a pretty big overachievement just because he never did anything like that in college you know like he couldn't get on the field three years at michigan and michigan didn't have really any good running backs during that time and then he had nine games that he played at central michigan where he did well but not so well that it made you like really turn and reevaluate anything. And then his workout numbers weren't very good either, but did great in, in especially like efficiency terms. And I would imagine he like graded well, as far as like missed tackles forced and stuff like that or whatever, but I'm just not willing to bet that it'll continue to that degree. And if he's coming back from an injury that, you know, lingers into the year at all, like I can see it being a, a bit of a plotting season for him, at least for like the first month or so. I could see a slow start for Rawls. That makes a lot of sense, given that he could miss even more time in these coming weeks before uh, getting back into the mix for Seattle 
uh, as the preseason rolls along. Jimmy Graham, expectations are, are pretty low for you. I mean, is it low enough to the point where even if he falls 50 picks off his current ADP, you're still going elsewhere at tight end? I wouldn't draft him. Like, I, I I would rather have probably Jason Morrow. <laughs> like, so, and I'd say Jason Morrow just because he's like the last tight end I would draft, and he's got to be like 25 in ADP among tight ends or something like that. Point has been made, I think, if you're saying Jason Morrow over Jimmy Graham. Yeah, the expectations would be pretty low. Uh, Miami's running back situation continues to be an area of intrigue. Jay Jai didn't practice all week. Arian Foster just looking really good. Health permitting, Arian Foster, top 15, top 20 type running back again? Yeah, if he's healthy, then, I mean, he's in terms of skill set, he's great. There's no question about that. The health is a question, though. And uh, I, I, it's just hard to believe that one of the guys who is most fragile at his position in recent memory in, and has further indicators of injury risk being like his the huge workload he's had to this point, and then to have him come back from an Achilles tear that happened in, like, what was it like october last year um to come back from that and expect like a better durability situation than what has been in the past doesn't really make sense to me and and it i know i'm not pointing to anything specific but at least you would think like if if that achilles tendon is at all compromised relative to how it was in the past there's just a general risk of leg injuries in general and he he already carried a big risk for those kinds of things so i I don't know if I'll have the guts to take him in any league just because his, his price, understandably, is going to skyrocket in light of uh, Ajayi's kind of uh, fading into irrelevance. But it's it's a uh, there's still a lot of risk for somebody who who won't be cheap anymore. Yeah, if he goes up and he's going around pick 75, pick 80, I might still be interested. But if yeah. he goes up much higher than that, I think he's going to go to like the fifth round, though, fourth round, stuff like that. Yeah, you think so? You're thinking like between pick 50 and like 65. He's, like he's going to go where Deion Lewis used to go. Oh, but if it's that much, that that might be a little too steep because if he ends up where Matt Jones is, that's probably the high range of what I would pay for Arian yeah. Foster because you start to get players with lots of flaws, Jones and Jeremy Langford among them. Uh, Ryan Matthews to me should go like 15 picks earlier but yeah. Foster in, in a couple of weeks will probably be where Ajayi is now and then as he close in on on the final draft weekends in August and then the first weekend in September that's when I think you'll see that last push as long as he makes it through camp healthy so the earlier you draft the better the discount you're going to get on Arian Foster if you drafted the summer before he had a job especially he was really cheap yeah that curve is going to be very steep as uh as he stays healthy throughout camp especially if, if the if the reports continue to be so positive about him too and when everything to this point really has been yeah uh, in baltimore kenneth dixon back on the practice field at the end of this week he had a, a knee injury that knocked him out a week ago maybe like week six week seven he's taking on a more prominent role but i i just don't don't really see it early on even though there is an opportunity to be had in baltimore yeah, he came back from the injury faster than I was planning on. So I, I was like I was saying, in I think probably the last podcast or something, it, he was the kind of guy who you you could so easily foresee having value during the season, but like there was there was no way to know precisely when it would happen or if it would happen, and therefore you couldn't keep him on your roster. And so the the scenario almost certainly involved waiver or uh, fab pickup, uh, unless you have like big benches in your league. I think only missing one week means he still can kind of get his foot in the door early. And like we were talking on the radio show, if, if Terrence West is really compelling them with his play in training camp and is like forcing us a, a roster spot for himself, 
I, I really wouldn't be shocked if Forsett gets traded uh, or even cut, I guess, because, I mean, he just wasn't that good last year. He's, he's theoretically like a passing down back for him, and he's averaging like five yards a catch the last two years. Even his good year with the Ravens, he was only averaging like five yards a catch, if, I think. Um, so that's, that's not going to get it done, especially when Kenneth Dixon and Javorius Allen are there, and both of them are really good receivers. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a scenario where any of those guys could have some value, but it's, just, it's so hard to guess which at the moment. But in the long run, I do think Dixon is easily the most talented. I mean, Forsett's 2014 season, he had 5.4 yards per carry. He had 17 carries of 20 or more yards. Like, right. It's yeah. wild that he was not sustainable. That he was that good. Five uh, for 20 or more yards last year. I think the Ravens were having some trouble on the offensive line, which maybe covers a lot of it, but certainly doesn't explain all of it. He's 30 years old now, and you're right. He was kind of a, a cast off for a few teams as an extra third down back for a long time. So they're certainly not wedded to him in Baltimore but I think there would be interest from other teams if he became available at least as a role guy so it would hurt him if he leaves Baltimore but at the same time they may like those younger backs a bit more than they like him the Terrence West thing I mean as a as a talent do you like Terrence West is it really just like between the ears where the problems have been for him to this point during his time in the NFL I didn't watch him play at Towson um you didn't didn't watch Towson (laughs) no come on dude like I you, all, I'm just, all, all of your credibility just out the window right there because you didn't watch Towson. I have I have no commitment to my craft and I'm a joke, so I didn't watch <laughs> Towson. But uh, he had he had decent enough like workout numbers. He's at five nine two twenty five four five four combine forty at one hundred twenty inch broad jump, which is pretty good. But I just I didn't. I don't know how much uh, or whether you know his weight contributed to his struggles in, in Cleveland. It's not good though that you got run out by Isaiah Crowell. So I don't know what to make of that. I, 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 with him, it's like there's no reason to expect anything. He's just he was just a lottery ticket for them anyway. And I think I think his upside scenario is again just like forcing Forsett off the roster, and then at most like an even three person split with with uh, Dixon and. and Allen, but I think what you'll more likely see is kind of uh, Forsett probably doesn't get traded or cut, but he just has a ceremonial role to, to the tune of like eight touches from scrimmage per game, and Allen takes the lead, and Dixon like pushes him for it, and eventually gets it, but maybe not this year. Does seem like a reasonable sort of outcome, which would uh, leave a guy like Terrence West on the outside looking in, which doesn't seem like that much of a stretch, even though. He's impressed so far. Since we're talking about obscure schools and, and notable alums, Towson University, notable alumni, <laughs> Amy Schumer, Mike Rowe, the dirty jobs guy, if you're not familiar Mike with Mike Rowe. Rowe. He's, he's, he's like the jean seller. Jeans, he's, he's, jeans and trucks both, I think. Yeah, he's just this like nebulous, uh, like fleet farm store aesthetic guy. Like, I don't even know. Like, does anyone know why he basically exists in our consciousness does he do anything other than just kind of like be this vague spokesperson for grit no he, he hosted a show called dirty jobs oh. on cable for a long time i don't know if that show's still on but he would go around like he would do like an agriculture job for a day and have a film crew follow him around just show like show people like how gross some jobs actually are so if there was like wow, a job where someone had to go head first into a silo of pig crap he would do that for a day like he'd put on the helmet and just like now dive keep in doing it 
like I'm gonna do this today and, and show you how hard this is and how gross this is. Like that that's his claim to fame. That's how he became like a spokesperson for uh like weird jeans and, and trucks. But I think a uh, German Bushrod is from there. He is. That nice. is correct. He is uh, I don't know if these are ranked on Google. He's their fourth most famous alum or notable alum. Uh Stacy Keebler, I think she has some what, like Baltimore Ravens cheerleader ties and then like WWE or something. or something. Yeah, it's mostly WWE, I think is where uh, she's famous. Uh, Gary Neal, formerly of the Washington Wizards. Oh, and uh, like the Spurs, that one? Yeah, I, oh, think, okay. I think it's the same. I think he played for yeah, the Spurs, yeah. too. And the last uh, name that I've noticed and recognized, John Scherholz, who is an executive with the Atlanta Braves for a long time. Uh, he also is a graduate of Towson University. So the things you learn on this podcast, I mean, you can't learn those things anywhere else unless you, you just Google them yourself. I don't, I, didn't, I don't even believe it, I don't think. We, we stopped asking for snacks, too, which is, I feel like, really polite on our part. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey has a hamstring injury. This is not new. I mean, he's had them off and on throughout his career. Apparently, what happened on Wednesday, they thought it might have been a heat-related problem. It's not. He's day-to-day for now. Uh, when do you become concerned with Jeffrey, given that he's got a career uh, track record of having problems with his legs? I don't know that it's uh, a when do you become concerned. It's it's just kind of like a concern that never goes away. Even even if he gets back in practice right away, it's like do you you don't feel like you've conclusively dodged that bullet. Like it's going to probably come back up again eventually. So it's it's kind of something that you would think is you would hope is kind of factored into his price already. But I don't know that it is. Like he tends to be he tends to be like a. And the upside is certainly there, and it's understandable why why people might kind of predict like he's you know a top five or something potential receiver. But uh, he he doesn't come cheap for someone who uh, you know basically was questionable every week last year. Uh, and John Fox, as we as we said on the radio, John Fox is not going to help you. He's going to he can he can probably he'll probably like lie whenever he can, and the rest of the time he's just not going to talk. So yeah, it sounds sounds about right based on the the track record we've seen from him as far as how he handles the injury information uh some other news and notes to get to carson palmer signing a one-year extension with the cardinals now signed through 2018 24.35 million dollars if that all happens uh, he's 36 years old right now so if he comes out and has a horrible season this year you have to wonder if uh maybe this year or next year in the offseason he'd be susceptible to getting cut uh, Larry Fitzgerald also getting a one-year extension with the Cardinals as well. Uh, we've got Matt Forte dealing with a hamstring injury. He's expecting to miss the Jets' preseason opener against the Jags. He wouldn't have played in that game anyway. Uh, sorry, dude. I was just distracted by something about uh, Brandon Marshall apparently is like getting in a fight with Darrell Revis right now. Uh, Literally, like as we speak? Uh, this Or like 30 minutes ago, this fellow uh, Connor Hughes of uh, the, the Newark Star-Ledger? Anyway, sorry, I, uh, I totally spaced after seeing that. Apparently, nothing like too bad, but uh, Marshall had to be pulled away by teammates after apparently going on a uh, an extended uh, trash talking at, at the at the defense and ended up throwing a, a fist at Revis. And um, yeah, anyway, it's not exactly like when he was uh, swatting the balls down and punting them in Denver. <laughs> But uh, sounds like sounds like Brandon Marshall is kind of back, if only for a day. Well, is the top Brandon Marshall moment of all time the time that he slipped out of McDonald's bag and crashed into his entertainment center? And I want to believe himself? that happened, but I I don't quite believe him. Um, I don't I don't remember any time somebody wrestled with their brother or whatever at like age 
28, uh, slipped on a McDonald's bag into its. I, I also don't know if the TV was upright in its normal viewing position and they were just going so wild that he like swung <laughs> sideways into it, or if there was a TV laying on its back on the ground near a bag of McDonald's. Both uh, both are totally possible. Sounds very reasonable in general, either way. Uh, but yeah, I, I kind of am guessing something else happened. But anyway, uh, sorry that that that's uh, no. I, I was talking about the Jets anyway. I mean, okay. with, with Matt Forte, he's not going to play in the preseason opener. Oh, at least yeah, it doesn't yeah. look like he's got yeah, a hamstring injury. But it, he he wouldn't have played in that game if he were healthy. I don't think. So somebody was saying, I don't remember which coach it was, but somebody was saying like, oh, Bilal Powell and Matt Forte are going to like split the workload evenly. And I don't believe that for a second. That I mean, th- th- there's been so many times where coaches have said stuff like that, like in, in at both college and the NFL level. And if you, if you just take that stuff at face value and like, are you totally believe it? It's ge- it's generally just not going to work. And the other thing is, Bilal Powell is not that good at running the ball. Like Forte obviously had a down year last year, and he's aging. But Powell never was that good, and is like prime version of himself is the bad version of forte and forte is just i don't know better so i i can see like their their targets being equal or something like that in the passing game but like carries come on like why why would you even sign the guy if you could just give that role to powell full time and get the same supposed return i'm not believing that exactly so let's play a quick game below powell or this other running back we'll go through a few names guys who have higher adps that means they're going after Bilal Powell right now. Bilal Powell or Jordan Howard for this season? Powell. Okay. Bilal Powell or Devontae Booker? Booker. Bilal Powell or DeAndre Washington? Washington. Bilal Powell or LeGarrette Blunt? Blunt. Uh, let's see. Bilal Powell, we'll assume full point PPR, or Darren Sproles? Sproles. <laughs> Barely <think>. Sproles. <laughs> How about the other Eagles backup running back? One of them. Wendell Smallwood versus Bilal Powell. Powell. James Starks versus Bilal Powell? Uh, that's one of those where it's like, if you actually think you might need to start one of these guys, you go with Powell. But if you're if you're just like getting a bench guy who you, you, would, you don't have any use for unless they hit the upside scenario, Starks has way more upside, so I would take him. Sharkhandrick West or Bilal Powell? Powell. Jarek McKinnon or Bilal Powell? The same reasoning as Starks, McKinnon. And then Paul Perkins or Bilal Powell? Same reasoning as the previous two, Paul Perkins. All right, so there you go. Blah Powell not particularly useful as a late round flyer at the running back position. Choose wisely in those late rounds because it can make all the difference in the world. Uh, one of the Eagles running backs I didn't mention just now, Kenyon Barner, has been drawing positive reviews from Doug Peterson during Eagles camp. And I mean, I, I thought if Kenyon Barner was going to get on the field for any sort of significant stretch, it would have happened last year when Chip Kelly was calling the shots in Philadelphia. Yeah, I I wasn't very high on Barner as a prospect coming out of Oregon, not really anybody was. Like he's slippery enough and he he can he can move a little bit, but there's no reason to think he'll he'll be more than like a 50 carry, 15 catch kind of player this year if he makes the team. Jeff Janis alert for everybody. We don't have the buzzer sounds plugged in just yet, but uh, Jeff Janis taking reps as the top kick returner during training camp. I think hmm. that's got a lot to do uh, with Ty Montgomery being banged up because I think ordinarily he'd be in the mix there, but we still haven't seen Montgomery get back to practice yet. Uh, Micah Hyde and Trevor Davis also 
uh, competing in in the return mix. Those are those guys are being used more for punt returns. Janice sticking mostly to kick return duty. That's weird because point. Davis couldn't return punts in college, but he was a really good kick returner. And I don't know why the Packers drafted him if he wasn't going to do that. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, Janice might be a good uh, kick returner. I don't know. We kn- we know he's a good gunner, right? That that is what he does. He's a good special teams player. Okay. He's going to make the roster because he's good at special teams. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to running in a straight line and and running into something, he can do that quite well. Um, um, I guess it's more knowing where he's supposed to line up on offense and what routes mean and stuff like that. If everybody else on the field is healthy and you have Jeff Janis just run a straight line, I think maybe the presence of all the other Packers pass catchers could sort of help him make a few big plays, but it's going to be so inconsistent. You're not going to get like meaningful value out of it most weeks. Yeah, I'm generally skeptical of Janis, but I will say last year they should have used him because when they didn't have Jordy Nelson, they they would have benefited from just having him go out there and run a fly route every play just because they either they either concede a single team on him or they double team him. And in the case of the single team, you just throw it up so you can get a pass interference call. Plus, he can catch those sometimes. So no matter no matter how uh he whatever problems he might have with focusing and like getting the playbook right or whatever he can run in a straight line just like he does on special teams like exact same task um anyway uh, i don't see him playing if they aren't beat up on offense though so the, the player that i think i'm most curious about in the receiving core is Devonte adams like if he makes the roster that squeezes somebody off of it who should be there otherwise or he gets on because ty montgomery's on the pup list or what? ir designated to return or something along those lines but Devonte adams i know he hurt the ankle early last season he was just awful last yeah. year. I mean, 5.1 yards per seen? target. It, it's that's terrible. It's one of the worst numbers I've ever seen for someone who caught 50 passes. Yeah, I've I've never seen a receiver have a worse season than he did last year. Never. And I I, I can't explain it. Like it, it has to be a mental thing. Like he can't be that bad in terms of like raw talent, but there's no there's no certainty that he ever just like bounces back from that. Like he might have his confidence just fractured and like he might have his moments but it's just it's hard to see him coming back from that and the thing is it's not as if it's not as if they need to tolerate his inconsistency like Aberderis is reliable Aberderis was better last year than Adams was uh not that you know everyone wasn't uh but anyway it's it's just the kind of thing where I think he'll make the team uh i don't i don't know why we would expect him to be good though like and i, I also i also have a higher opinion i think of Aberderis than most people probably do like he's not a starter or like he's not an ideal person to lean on in the passing game but he could work really well with rogers just because he runs routes well and he you know he he, he can get open even if he's not a burner and and as the whole the whole issue with rogers and janice is that janice doesn't do like the little timing and placement things that rogers demands of his receivers so it's 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 Aberderis for me, but I think it'll probably be like a rotation with at least Adams, maybe others. But can I ask what is is there anything new on Montgomery? Or is it just like he had just a really really bad ankle thing and like it's not getting better? I haven't heard anything new being a problem. I think it's yeah. all just the result of the ankle surgery he had in December uh, for the injury that he suffered in October and the procedure he had at the time. They they said it was more complex than they previously thought it would be. That doesn't uh, sound good. So what it, re- what it led to was a microfracture procedure on his talus, which is the bone between the heel, the fibula, and the tibia. So that doesn't he, sound good at all. That's ligament stuff that or cartilage. Well, so he wasn't a hundred percent as of earlier this week, and he had surgery in December. So that 
pup list seems very like possible, and I, I just don't know if I it'll be the same player when he comes back. Going, like IR, I would guess. Like that's. I, I mean, if like I've never heard of microfracture for an ankle heel, like that, and, and again, like that's that's like cartilage damage. It's not just like the bone. So like, how did how did I've never heard of such a thing? Yeah, time to check with Jeff Stotts. I think on on that one. Yeah. So. I ran a query while we were talking just now over at Pro Football Reference, and I, I was wondering how many times has a player caught 50 or more passes while having a yards per target number below 5.5? Because Devontae Adams was at 5.1 last year. If you raise the threshold of 5.5 for that average, there are 19 players since 1992 that have been that bad but still had that many catches. So it's a, it's a strange group of players. But as far as getting players who were worse than Adams, Larry Fitzgerald had a season where he caught 71 passes for 798 yards, and the target numbers led him to a 5.1 yards per target mark. Was that like a Lindley, Skelton, Logan Thomas or something season, though? That was the the 2012 Larry Fitzgerald season. So 2012 Arizona Cardinals quarterbacks, I think you may have just named... All of them. Uh, it wouldn't be Thomas then, I don't think. No, it Maybe wasn't Lindley him. Maybe and Skelton and like... Uh, uh, Hoyer got a game on that team. Hoyer, and what was the other one? I almost said Ronald Bartell, but that's a cornerback. No, Kevin Kevin Cobb played at five Cobb. starts. It was John Skelton for six, Kevin Cobb for five, Ryan Lindley for four, Brian Hoyer for one. Nice. Kill a Hall of Famer's value with <laughs> that quarterback rotation. And um, but yeah, so the rest of the people on that list, they're just like... Are they like running backs? Uh, mostly, well, these are, I tried to filter down to mostly receivers. I think I did skill position only, or I, I, don't, I don't see any tight ends on here, which is kind of bizarre. You'd expect to see some tight ends, but Peter Warwick had two such seasons like that. Nice. 2000, 2001. Darren Sproles, Reggie Bush, throw them out. Chris Chambers in 2006 with the Dolphins, 4.4 yards per target. Dang. That's the lowest receiver number I've ever seen. The Dolphins, so that that would have been, I don't remember who it was, but they had some pretty bleak days. Um, hmm. 06 Dolphins, was, Jay Feely at the end of his career? Fiedler. Or Fiedler, yeah, Feely's the kicker. <laughs> that, would, that would be even worse. Uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. Joey, oh, that was the Joey Harrington year in Miami. I, was I, that I'd, Culpepper too? Culpepper for four, Cleo oh, yeah. Lemon for one. Cleo Lemon, there it is. Ronnie Brown and, and some Wildcat. Ronnie Brown, the quarterback. Ronnie Brown getting some uh, some quarterback stats that year. Only had one attempt that year, so I think that was after uh, Wildcat stuff was starting to go away. But So, yeah, it, either way, none of these involve Aaron Rodgers-type quarterbacks throwing the ball. No, no. Cecil <laughs> Shorts in 2014, Kelvin Martin in Seattle in 1994, Jerome Payton, Indianapolis 1998. Uh, it's, yeah, so I mentioned Chris Chambers before, so it, it's a it's a bad list to be on. Yeah, I mean, so I, it's it's bleak for Devontae Adams, but I don't know what the future future holds for him. I don't know if the Packers look at him as a lock to make that roster or not. And Everdares is a player I like too because he does everything well. And even though the speed isn't necessarily top end, he's he's fast enough. He's quick yeah. enough to get open. It's not that he's like slow or something. It's that he's he's relatively thin. And you would ideally, if you're as thin as he is, you would ideally be like a 4-4 flat. You would ideally be like John Brown fast, whereas Aberderis is like a 4-5-0 kind of guy, which you would prefer to see at over 200 pounds, not 190 or whatever he is. So do you remember the Packers-Lions game in the middle of last season? I think it was the the one where the Lions actually finally won at Lambeau Field, and 
Aberdera started to play in the second half of that game, and as soon as he got in, he made this catch, had to extend over his head to pull it in, and just got speared in the back, just got destroyed like one of the first plays on the field. I'm like, this is it. This is this is how it's going to end for Aberderis. He's going to get just blown up on some fluke play because you're right. He's not a big guy. So I mean, uh, anybody would get annihilated in that scenario. So that was just kind of like bad luck. But he does have, I think, at least like three concussions in college alone. And then he had like, I think, another in training camp last year or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's 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 got that like Jordan Reed watch going on, and like that's that's a that's no small concern. But yeah, in the meantime, I think he's probably just kind of better than Adams. I don't know. I think you look at him compared to Adams and Jeff Janis, he's more likely to be a useful fantasy like bench option than those two guys based on where things stand right now. Not necessarily. Now. I think it's more like the three of them will kind of negate each other's value. And I don't know that Aberderis has enough upside to justify stashing him in the meantime. Uh, Janis has the most upside out of those guys, but it's like, it took it took like a profound series of injuries and generally like baffling struggles last year before McCarthy even gave him a shot, and they're not inclined to give him another shot because they just they, they hold it fair or not like he they hold him to standards that he just doesn't meet, and it's it's like yeah he has great yards per target yeah he made those great plays in the playoffs but nfl coaches are nfl coaches and they care about dumb things like you had your left foot in the wrong spot during the route and uh yes you got open and caught the ball but uh we we don't like it when you put your left foot there and stuff like that so it's true that that's been the problem all along but you see it you see it with rogers being frustrated with him too where he's not yeah in the right spot not running the right route not finishing the route correctly those problems seem to be uh, very recurring in nature when it comes to Jeff Janis. It's going to wrap things up for the Friday installment of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by realitysportsonline.com. Be sure to use the promo code WirePod to save 10% on your team or league today. Nick and I are back with you on Monday. Quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, 
Access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.